Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Bucket List Gamers podcast. I am Jay and once again I'm joined by Eddie. Hello. And today we are looking at a trio of beat-em-ups, starting with Final Fight at number 86, Streets of Rage at number 89, and then Streets of Rage 2 all the way up at number 18 in the list. So a bit of discrepancy between 1 and 2. Somebody's obviously not as much of a fan as the first or the second, but there are reasons for that, I suspect, which we'll get to. In, in terms of my experience with these games, I had a port of Final Fight on the Commodore 64, which was okay, not amazing. They were better sort of side-scrolling beat-em-ups that I had, so that one didn't get an awful lot of time. Streets of Rage 1 I played a lot at friends' houses because uh, it was a good two-player couch co-op game. And then Streets of Rage 2 I had for my Game Gear, uh, and it was one of the my favourite games on Game Gear. So I played it absolutely loads. I must have finished it about 20, 30 times. So I'm fairly well-versed on that one in comparison to the other two. I know you've not got as much experience with these games. I mean, you, you must have heard of them, but don't think you had any of them. No, I never had any. I think I played Streets of Rage in an arcade cabinet back when we used to be able to go to arcades, like proper gaming arcades. But that was about the extent of it. I had something called Primal Rage for the Mega Drive, <laughs> which was which was a one-on-one, a bit like a Street Fighter one-on-one fighter, which was like giant monkeys and velociraptors, and it was proper gory as well. Not what you'd expect. <laughs> It, it doesn't rate very well, Primal Rage, but I remember when we were kids it being like a huge thing. Because I think that was arcade ported to consoles, wasn't it? And it was, yeah, like yeah. you say, very violent. Some really cool characters in it. Bit of that 90s sort of flatulence humour from what I remember as well in there. Yes. It wasn't my type of game. I was never a, a very good at one-on-one fighters. I just didn't have the patience to learn the moves and and like actually execute the diagonals and back back up down and all that business. Uh, it just felt like putting in a cheat code, but for an actual game, and I just wasn't particularly down with that. I had Mortal Kombat and stuff, but I don't think I had Primal Rage. I remember, um, we've gone off topic within the first two minutes already, <laughs> but I remember having a game called Rise of the Robots. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah like a one-on-one battler and and for Mega Drive it wasn't the worst game in the world it wasn't by any means good but it wasn't terrible but the Game Gear version Jesus was possibly one of the worst games right and by this point I don't I already know I don't like one-on-one fighting games but I got into this massive argument with a kid at school right because I'd seen it for Game Gear in I think virtual reality again in Meadowall coming up. I'd seen it for sale in there for Game Gear, and he was adamant it was only out for Mega Drive, right? And I was, I got into this huge argument, and we it went on for days. And the next time we went up to Meadowall, I was like, "Can I have a game?" And I went and got it and bought it, knowing full well I'd hate it, even if it was a good one-on-one fighting game, just so I could go to school on Monday and be like, "I told you that it was out for Game Gear," and I felt like I'd won that battle. And it's only years later that I realised I'd wasted forty quid. <laughs> On something that was garbage anyway, <laughs> but I wouldn't enjoy either way, just to prove someone wrong. So if, if you're ever in doubt of my pettiness uh, and what lengths <laughs> I will go to to prove someone wrong, there you go. That's a prime example of it. I, I think that is what is known as a Pyrrhic victory. It's a victory, <laughs> but it costs you so much that it's just not worth it. But bravo for doing that. Bravo. Just just the level of spite. <laughs> but yeah, you have to be taught. 
had to be taught a lesson. And if I had to, if I had to suffer through Rise of the Robots, which when we say like, oh, if you got a game, you just played it anyway, even if you didn't like it, that was one where I was struggling to even do that because it was just so terrible. From what I can remember, you could only be one character as well. There was loads of other characters in the game that you fought, but you could only be this like silver amorphous metal humanoid figure. And you fought like I'm not even joking. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm I'm remembering this correctly. You fought forklift trucks and stuff like that, but like yeah. transformery type forklift trucks. And that kind of thing. And it, it was only about five levels long as well. It weren't like Mortal Kombat where you went through 10 or 12 people and it got progressively harder. It was just rock solid from the onset and crap. But I'd won. <laughs> I, in the playground, I was king for about 10 minutes when I was waving that cartridge about. So small victories. But yeah, back to back to final. We'll start with Final Fight because it <laughs> it was the earliest one. And it's the lowest... No, it's not the lowest in the list, but it was the earliest one. So we'll start with that one because it's it's a matter of only a couple of places anyway. So Final Fight came out in stages, it's fair to say. So it came out in the arcade in, in 1989, which was until sort of 2001, the, the best version you could play. Because all the arcade games back then were far better than anything you got on a console. And, and on a console, you sort of settled for, for inferior ports just because you didn't have to pay a quid a go or 50p a go and go down to an arcade or whatever it was. So it came out in 1989. It's set in 1990, I think. So I think they had a little bit of foresight to like set it the year that it was going to be released, which was quite clever. Then it came out 1990 in Japan on the SNES, then 1991 in North America, and then 1992 in PAL regions. So we had to wait like nearly three years for it to come out between the arcade and us getting a copy of it. And then, even then, it was a slimmed down version. So there's three playable characters in the arcade version, who I'll come to shortly but in the slimmed down version one of them was missing so you could only play as two of the characters and then what they did was because people missed the third character later on they released another version of it called final fight guy because guy was the character that got cut out so they released final fight guy but in doing so they cut out the other character so like you couldn't ever get a console version with all three in you could only pick which one was your favourite and buy that version. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a strange way to do it. I assume it was card limitations and, and that kind of thing and space on, on the Mega Drive cartridges, uh, the SNES cartridges, but a bit of a weird way to do it. And then, yeah, the, it continues. So in 1991, they released home console versions. So Commodore 64, Atari, all that kind of thing. So you could actually get it for Commodore before you could get it on SNES in the UK, even though it was in other parts of the world. And then they did a Sega CD version in 1993, which I believe had all the characters back in it and looked a little bit more polished uh, than the other ones. And then as late as 2001 was the last release, I believe. So they released it on the Game Boy Advance in 2001, which is meant to be the best version, in inverted commas, other than, I think... People were claiming it's better than the arcade version, but I very much doubt that. Like, the arcade will be the definitive one. It's just harder to play, I suppose. Yeah, and costs you probably infinitely more money, because <laughs> yeah. it was that pound a go. Um, but it is a pretty looking game, so no wonder they had to cut characters out, because even for, like, 1980s, early 1990s standards, it is a really good-looking game. Um, the character models are 
nice and the background sprites are really good um and even like the how you have to attack one another so like grapple moves and like the motion of the characters is really nice really fluid and the combat flows quite well it's not punch way to be other punch way to be it is quite a front it, it it's a very faithful arcade fighter to be fair because it's like quite relentless yeah it's um it's one of those where the to get that out of a two-button game as well. So there's only two buttons in Final Fight. There's attack and jump. And depending on the context of the situation, you will do different things. So press the attack button repeatedly and you do this, like he said, a very fluid combo uh, that will result in a power move at the end of it. Or if you get close enough to someone, you will automatically grab them. And then you can do a grapple moves, throws, depending on which direction your control sticks point in and, and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, they, they put a lot of effort into getting it as as sort of smooth as they possibly could. To say it's a really early beat-em-up game as well, because it was it was originally going to be a sequel for Street Fighter, the original Street Fighter, which was a one-on-one fighter, but not anywhere near as good as Street Fighter 2. If you go back and play Street Fighter 1 now, it is very poor. I'm surprised it got a sequel with how poor Street Fighter 1 is, but it was quite a new concept at the time, so that's probably why they got away with it. But yeah, this was going to be a sequel to that, and then I think they saw how well Double Dragon had done and decided to take it off in a different direction uh, and turn it into Final Fight. And yeah, it seemed to work out. I mean, it's never one that I really enjoy playing. I've played it quite a few times in free-to-play arcades now and, and the Mega, uh, the SNES version and a couple of other... Like I say, I had the Commodore 64 version, but it was never one that I really loved because it obviously didn't look anywhere as near as good as it did in the arcade. So when you've seen it in the arcade and then you come to play that, it's like, well, I'd rather play something specifically made for a Commodore 64 where they can sort of nuance it a bit to work with what it is rather than trying to cram it in. And I mean, it doesn't look terrible and it played okay, but it didn't have that fluidness that you've just talked about. On a console, on a home console, it was very stunted. So you press the punch and it would be a little bit of input lag and then you wouldn't be able to get the combos going. It was it was good for what it was, I suppose. The fact that they managed to get it into a Commodore 64 was a, an achievement, but it just wasn't as good as, as the other versions that were available. And yeah, it it is a, a very competent one, even though I, it's not one that I particularly enjoy playing. I could be wrong, but I think when you play it as two-player, because I've had a quick game of it before we... We were set to record, but obviously only one player. But from what I recall, the two-player, there is like friendly fire, in inverted commas, so you can beat the crap out of the other person that you're playing the game with if, if you get too close to each other, which makes it even more chaotic uh, in, in such a close-quarters game. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that is also probably a limitation of the hardware, trying to code it so that you can't do damage because I'm, I'm assuming they basically just had the sprite work for the characters and if you made a if you made contact with regardless of what it was it did damage to it and having to code it the opposite way for one specific or two specific characters on the screen would probably mm. have like burnt the processors out um, or they'd have had to have locked the end off a level or a boss fight or something like that. But but I suppose it's realistic. If you are in a, yeah. in a like a street fight and you're swinging your fists wildly, you're going to do damage to the person that's supposed to be on your side as well. I'm not sure if it, it, it connects and it like obviously throws you out of the way, but it doesn't do damage. I can't remember that, whether there is actually 
damage or whether it is just it's an inconvenience because they've hit you and you've flown across the screen. Yeah. But yeah, I seem to recall that being one of the things that was quite infuriating when you were playing it with friends. I might be thinking of something else, but I'm almost certain it's Final Fight, where you can just do serious damage to the other player and just inconvenience each other the whole way through it. But yeah, the characters, as I mentioned, so there's there's three in the arcade version. There's, I don't know if it's Hager or Hager, how they pronounce it, because it's obviously not spoken. But he's a former pro wrestler turned mayor, which back then sounded preposterous, but now it actually happens. So there's there's a few pro wrestlers that have gone on to be mayor. So Jesse Ventura was a, a former wrestler who's a mayor. Kane, if you remember Kane from the 90s and yeah. 2000s, he's the mayor of Knoxville now. So it, it now it doesn't sound that far-fetched, but back then it was probably this wacky idea that, that a former pro wrestler could become a mayor of somewhere. And basically the, the whole town that he's mayor of or city or whatever it is is riddled with crime. And the the bad guys in it, the uh, Mad Gear gang, which it sounds like they put about two seconds into coming up with the name of that one. <laughs> They've kidnapped his daughter. So rather than leaving it to the police like a normal person would, he's decided to hit the streets and just beat the crap out of anyone he can find until he gets her back. And then the other two characters are Cody and Guy. So Cody is dating his daughter, so he goes along to to try and help find her. And then Guy is apparently just Cody's friend that's like, yeah, I'll come along as well. So he's, I think in the Japanese one, he's got a bit more of a backstory. He's some sort of, he's got some sort of martial arts lineage, I think, and he's like the latest in that family. But yeah, I think in, in the American and UK version, he's just Guy, the guy who's coming along to help. Um, and, and one little thing I read said that they were friends stroke enemies. So I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but yeah, as far as I've ever been aware when playing it, they're just mates and, and it's sort of more about Hager or Hager and Cody and they're just like we need a third character to give a bit of dimension because they all play ever so slightly differently Hager plays more differently than the other two because he's the strength character so he's slow and lumbering but his punches do like 10 times more damage than the other two and then the other two are a bit more agile and they've got little nuanced differences but yeah if if you were playing the SNES version and you wanted to be Guy you were shit out of luck because he wasn't in it until they did the <laughs> the final fight Guy which is very on the nose to call it that yeah and they threw Guy in and and took Cody out so it's a strange one like I've never I've, I don't recall any other games ever doing that like being like oh we're going to take this character out but then we're going to sell you a different version of it with him back in but because of that we're going to take someone else out elsewhere no normally they'd sell you him as DLC about six <laughs> yeah. months later for 20 quid um, when he was already coded into the original game the way you've just read out the story it sounds like someone's done a mad lib of taken it's just <laughs> yeah. odd <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. And I'm assuming with um, Hideo Kojima being a massive sort of uh, popular culture fan and he, he games quite a bit, I'm assuming that was sort of his reference point for the mayor or the president of the United States in Metal Gear Revengeance. Because again, he's like built like a brick shit house. <laughs> oh, well, he's built like the thing that smashed through the side of the brick shit house. To be fair, and he <laughs> he does like wrestling moves on Raiden and stuff like that. And whilst quoting white, real right wing politics at you, it's really weird. But yeah, it's probably where Kojima got it from. To be honest with you, I, I wouldn't be surprised because yeah, it sounds like they're very similar similar characters. But no, I never I never sort of disliked Final Fight. It just wasn't 
it's a bit before my time, like in terms of when I really started gaming, only by a couple of years, but it was enough that there were other games out that, that took my interest. And like I say, cramming that game from an arcade cabinet into a Commodore 64 port, which is where I got my hands on it, was a big ask. And the fact that they even managed it is commendable, but it just wasn't. When I'd, I'd played it in an arcade, I distinctly remember playing in an arcade in like Spain or something when we'd gone on holiday and then getting the Commodore 64 version and there was just no comparison by that point. If I'd have got the cassette first, I'd have probably loved it, but it was just, you could see the difference and, and I had other side-scrolling beat-em-ups that there's one for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it and I've searched for it for years and I can't find any trace of it on the internet. It's like I've made it up. But I distinctly remember you were sort of like a, a ninja and the first level was called The Slums and that's all I can remember. But you could like jump on top of telephone wires and fight people and stuff. And that was far better because the combo system and everything worked a lot better. Even on, I mean, Commodore 64 was like two buttons, I think, similar to the original final fight but obviously just not as responsive and not as quick so this other game did a lot better job of it and i think i just focused more on that one and it was also back then which game loaded quicker and this one because it was so intensive took like you're looking at a good 25 30 minutes to load it so it didn't come out very often because i had games that had load in 10 minutes and i could play them a lot easier so yeah that was that was my experience of it and i've played it over the years since and I, I don't mind it but it's never one that I would go to especially over what we're going to come to in Streets of Rage and Streets of Rage 2 and, and so on so yeah it's it sort of falls I mean even Double Dragon I've probably played more than this yeah um I, I get the feeling we're going to come to these in a bit anyway but my sort of go-to was because I was like obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid so my go-to was the turtles version which was essentially mm. it was essentially the same game just with turtles assets plastered over it and they probably charge you an extra tenner because it was licensed <laughs> but but yeah that those were so spider-man and turtles were te- were my go-to for this type of game outside of stuff like contra which is similar yeah. but you had a gun um but yeah, yeah contra was more my bread and jam i think we'll get yeah we'll definitely get to other beat-em-ups which i consider better than these ones and probably you do as well by the sounds of that with the turtles one because that that's on my list played it recently though and actually completed it after all these years because it was on the cowabunga collection bit of a letdown when i got to the end i'm not gonna lie if i'd have spent all the money i had on the arcade and finished it in the arcade and i got that ending i'd have been furious but at least that happened to me like 25 years later in a on a home console so it wasn't as bad but yeah moving on we'll get through these and then we can discuss other things because we've also got some fairly big gaming news came out yesterday didn't it that we'll probably get on to and speak about before we finish but yeah let's get on to streets of rage so 1991 for the mega drive and then 1992 for the game gear and 1993 for the master system which baffles me a bit because i would have thought they'd have done that the other way around even though sort of the master system was dying off and the game gear was probably a little bit more popular by that point you'd think they'd code it downwards in terms of ability of a system yeah and i assume master systems were more powerful than a game gear were they they always seemed I would like think they were so i don't think there's much in it but i always assumed that the master system had a bit more about it 
Yeah, um, when anyone ever speaks of a Game Gear, they always talk about the performance of it and how how much better it was than all the other consoles at the time. So you'd think it was better, mm. but I have, I've never owned a uh, a Master System at all. So it was just no. I think I think they were practically the same thing, but you just got a lot more screen crush on a Game Gear. Mm. So maybe maybe it was practically the same thing, and they just for some reason didn't release the Master System one for. I mean, they were, we were talking like months in it. It's not. I think one was like December and one was February or something. So it's not, even though it looks like a full year, it's actually probably just months between the two. And then, yeah, the latest release of it in 2013 for 3DS. So I assume that was a virtual console thing. Uh, There wasn't a lot of information about it. Yeah, I would assume so. If it's a remake, they tend to just whack them on the uh, virtual console and have done these days. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, they they did when it still existed for 3DS. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, Streets of Rage was created pretty much to rival Final Fight because Nintendo had got Final Fight and the this sort of exclusivity in inverted commas to create an SNES game out of that. So Sega wanted a piece of the action, so just came up with their own property. We're going to make Streets of Rage and it's going to basically be a rip-off. But in my opinion, it's better. I just think it plays a little bit better. I was always more towards Mega Drive than SNES anyway. So it, it always appealed to me a bit more. Uh, I never actually had it for the Game Gear, the first one. I only ever got the second one. But I've played the Mega Drive version a lot because a couple of my friends had it. And like I say, it was a really good game to sit and play on side by side. You can't damage each other. You just work your way through smashing the crap out of everyone in the way, picking up weapons and and then uh, doing the special move, which was a bit bizarre. I don't think they'd really got the special moves down when they did Streets of Rage 1 because it's like a police car pulls up doesn't it miles back from where you are and just fires a load of rockets and it like completely breaks up the gameplay (laughs) but yeah it it was in there at least you had a special move but it was just a strange way to do it so three characters in this one as well but all three were available on on all versions as far as I'm aware oh no sorry no Game Gear did have one of them cut so you couldn't play as Adam So there's Adam, Axel and Blaze in the first Streets of Rage game. Again, they all played similarly, but with slight tweaks. So I think Blaze was slightly faster than the other two. One of them was a little bit more powerful. One was more of an all-rounder. So personal preference really as to who you always picked. I think I usually picked Axel and I have no idea why. I think it's just because the other person I was playing with always picked Adam. So... I just went that route. But yeah, they they play very similar to each other. It's not like you're going to notice and be miffed. More so in Streets of Rage 2, they, they make them a bit more distinctive. But yeah, it reviewed really well at the time. And, and there's, it's been re-released on multiple collections. You know, like these Sega Gems and Sonic's favourite games or whatever they want to call them. Like They always come up with some bizarre name that's probably got Sonic in it to try and push a few more copies. And Streets of Rage 1 is like a staple on them. They just chuck it on every single one because they know people like it, but it, it gets to the point of overkill. When you go to buy one of these collections and you're like, oh, another copy of Streets of Rage. I only own it about 200 times already. But yeah, it, it very. I don't know the full storyline of it, um, other than they're going after a guy called Mr. X for for unbeknownst reasons. And I assume they're linked to the police, given that the special move is a police car coming and, and firing rockets. But Blaze certainly doesn't look like she's in the police, given what she's wearing for the majority of the game. Yeah, I think, I think the storyline for it is basically a criminal syndicate takes over city, the cops are going to take it back, 
the hard way. And and that is the top and bottom of it. There's there's no real in-depth thought gone into the plot, just go over there and kick their ass. But didn't they introduce um, interactable weapons in this one? So that there were like baseball bats and stuff littering the arenas that you could pick up. I think there was a few of those in Final Fight. I think I don't think it was a completely new idea, but they definitely put more in. So yeah, like you say, you can, I think maybe in Final Fight they were one use, so you could throw a knife and it was done. Whereas I think in Streets of Rage, like you say, you can get a baseball bat. I think you can get a crowbar or something. You can get a knife that you throw. And you can also pick up various bits of scenery to launch at people, like traffic cones and, and stuff like that, I think from what I remember. So there's these little, yeah, the, there's more interactive backgrounds in it that you can that you can use. And I don't think you could slam enemies into them. I don't think they've got that advanced. But you could certainly throw enemies into pits and stuff to get rid of them rather than having to do the full beating them up. But yeah, it, it basically, it's, it's weird how it managed to, really, because it didn't come out much later after Final Fight, at least the console port. But it did take a lot of what Final Fight had done and make it better. So I assume they played the arcade version and based a lot of what they were doing around the arcade version. So yeah, like you say, you got the weapons, which were a bit more upgradable. Because you got three buttons, you had a bit more scope to do more stuff. So you'd got your jump, your attack, and then your special move, which we've just mentioned. And and similar to final fight the way you positioned yourself near enemies and and pulled back on the d-pad instead of pressing forward you'd do different attacks and yeah they they did just gone a bit further with everything and it, it really paid off because yeah as i said it, it was a really sort of well-received game they started working on a sequel straight away because of how well it had done and it was it was a fairly new thing to like console gamers i suppose so you got final fight you'd got i don't know if they'd done a double dragon console port by that point and then you've probably got like I don't know River City Ransom is the only other one I can think that's that's close to these, and that was and much Golden more cartoony. Axe, yeah, which yeah, been Golden ported Axe. about as many times as <laughs> Bloody Streets of Rage has, because yeah, they're normally paired together. I'm wondering if this, because I'm wondering if this was built off of the same sort of like. Engine. Well, they wouldn't have had they wouldn't have had game engines as such, would they? But yeah, the same code base or something that reskin Golden Axe and and just chuck out this like more cutting edge up to date game. Which now you mention it, yeah, is essentially what it is. Because yeah, Golden Axe had the the special moves with the potions, didn't it? And it had the grab where the little dwarf bloke tonks him on the head with the butt of his axe and stuff. So yeah, you had all that, and and it probably was similar, yeah, similar code base to it. But it just I never put them in the same bracket, even though they are practically the same game, because the aesthetics on them are so different that it's it's almost diff- like you don't see that similarity straight away, even though, like you say, they're both side-scrolling beat-em-ups. I think Golden Axe is such a thing that stands on its own. I don't yeah. pair them. Yeah. I've always associated the two because any time I've ever played Streets of Rage or Golden Axe, it's been because it's been on a port. Like it's been like on like a collection disc, and mm. it's always front and center Golden Axe and Streets of Rage side by side. So I've always paired the two together that way, but um, I, I never really associated with them. Uh, associated them on the same level as each other, really, because yeah. one's quite contemporary. And one's essentially Conan. Yeah, what it is. And looking at them, I don't know which I prefer because I love Golden Axe, but then I also think—I mean, Street—if it was Golden Axe versus Streets of Rage Two, 
then I'd probably lean towards Streets of Rage 2. I'm not as fond of Streets of Rage 1. I do like it, but it's not got the same the same level for me. But yeah, I think probably leaning towards Streets of Rage 2. But yeah, in terms of the first one, it's it laid the groundwork for 2. When we talk about 2, you'll see just how much they did like develop it out and and took the ideas and ran with it, and that in turn puts it ahead of Golden Axe. But then Golden Axe's sequels didn't really do anything, from what I remember. They were just like, chuck some more characters in that don't really play that differently and do the same thing again. Yeah, Streets of Rage definitely upped their game with from 1 to 2, but yeah, Golden Axe 2, I, I, to be honest, I prefer the first one. Really, um, I never really got into yeah, yeah. Golden Axe Two. I always thought Golden Axe. I always had more of a fondness and affection for the original Golden Axe, which is weird because normally you'd want the sequel to do what the original does, but better and chuck a load more stuff in. But they they were just like, now nah, we'll just make it the same game, basically. <laughs> yeah, here's a new character. Crack on. <laughs> just looks yeah. a bit different. So yeah, in terms of Streets of Rage, moving on then. So then in 1990. Two, but also 1993 because the the release was staggered over the Christmas period. So I think Japan potentially got it in 1992, and then the rest of us got it in 93. But again, there's like a month in it. We got Streets of Rage two for Mega Drive, and then a little bit later in the year, the Game Gear and Master System versions, and then again 2015 3DS port. So it took them longer in 2013 to 15. <laughs> to come up with a sequel than it did in in 1992 <laughs> which is a bit bizarre but yeah Streets of Rage 2 for me was the one like I don't remember the Mega Drive version that much because when I when I looked into it again because it just to refresh my memory it's like oh there's four characters I'm like no there's only three and then I realized that again there's one character missing on the Game Gear and uh, Master System version so a guy called Max Thunder was introduced <laughs> In the in the sequel on on the Mega Drive, and he's your he's your Hager character. He's like the big powerhouse that does wrestling moves and and hits harder, but walks a thousand times slower than everyone else. Uh, which is a bit I've noticed that on Final Fight as well. When you're playing with other people and you're the big powerhouse character, and they're the faster ones you literally do hold them up because you just can't move as fast as they can like when you have to progress from one fighting area to the next. So yeah, it's, uh, it was one I didn't usually pick because, it, well, it wasn't on the Game Gear version, but the few times I did play on on uh, Mega Drive, I always pick Skate. So they introduced another character called Skate. So you've got Axel and Blaze back from the first one. Uh, Adam's disappeared, but his younger brother Skate is introduced instead. And this was to give like a different ability set so Axel and Blaze are the same as the first one she's slightly faster than him he's the all-rounder you've got Max Thunder who's the big powerhouse and then you've got Skate who's the guy who doesn't hit quite as hard but he's really quick and he can zip about because he's on roller skates so that was his gimmick he he whizzes around on roller skates you can do charge moves a bit better but I always picked him because I much preferred the quicker character and, and the mobility it gave to like dodge out of the way of attacks and on the game gear as well he also did this move where he'd jump up on the shoulders and like smash the shit out of the neck with his roller skates and I, was like, I just couldn't resist that so I'd, i very rarely played as anyone other than skate but yeah it, it was a good one especially even on the game gear to say they crammed it down into that game gear cartridge very faithful to the mega drive version really clear and easy to see what you were doing so a lot of game gear games the 
especially when you've got busy backgrounds like Streets of Rage, your foreground would merge into your background and you wouldn't really know what was interactable and what you were fighting and all that kind of thing. This does a brilliant job of keeping the background the background and where you're actually fighting obvious and who you're fighting. And it's full of bright, vibrant neon colours. There's enemies, I think they're called sliders, who shoot in and slide tackle across the screen and take you out. And they're all wearing like really bright coloured coats. So there's yellow ones, green ones, pink ones, ranging in difficulty. So where they could have just made them brown and dull yellow and stuff, they've made them like neon practically. And it all fits in because all the gang members are similar. They all wear like bright coloured clothes and stuff. I don't know, it feels like 80s inspired, even though it's set in the early 90s. I suppose in the early 90s, you did have that sort of neon wave carrying through didn't you in terms of clothes and fashion so it makes sense but they use it to their advantage in making it clear what you were meant to be fighting and it it very rarely feels like you don't know what's coming You, you can see it coming a mile off and they introduce bits like enemies stood on screen but you can't get to them and then halfway through a fight they'll jump in as well which i know turtles does just talking back to what you were saying that does similar doesn't it you'll have foot clan soldiers just stood doing stuff and then all of a sudden they'll join in the fight i think this is probably where that came from or at least one of the very early games to do that and same with the boss as well that's another thing that blew me away even on the game gear with this when you get to the boss he's like mob boss sat in a big chair at the back of a room while you fight other people in front of him and he's basically just stood watching reacting to what's happening and then when you kill enough people he throws his jacket off and jumps down and he's got like a machine gun and he just starts shooting at you and you have to keep jumping out the way so you don't get hit and just to do that it wasn't seen very often that background characters would then become part of the game and it was pretty cool to sort of see that that oh there he is that's the guy i'm going to be fighting but i've got to deal with everything else first and then he come and join in yeah um you didn't get it in stuff like i don't know the different genres and stuff like, but like in street fighter and things like that the, the background crowd were the background crowd you never got to sort of like tag in some random <laughs> bumble from <laughs> <laughs> on on the screen with you and just tag them in and throw them at somebody. But uh, a lot of sort of these sorts of games have done them done this sort of thing since as well. So you'll see like you'll see enemies in the foreground, so in front of where you're playing, and then they'll jump onto the screen and become in-game enemies and stuff like that. So really a pioneering move from uh, the developers of uh, Streets of Rage, to be honest, because a lot of similar games have taken what they've done and just kept it as like a mainstay so it's props to them really yeah and just to mention the special moves again so that got upgraded uh so no longer does the police car come to your rescue and just fire a ring of missiles that sends everyone flying off every character's got their own and i say unique special in in very large air quotes because they all do the same thing they're all just screen clearing nukes essentially but they all look slightly different and I can't remember this being in the Game Gear one, but the thing that I read about the Mega Drive one was basically you use your special and it takes some of your health away. So it's one of those where you can just use it whenever you want, but actually some of your health will drain. Now, I could just be not remembering it being like that, but I thought in the Game Gear version you built it up and then you could use it rather than it being to your like detriment in terms of health. Um, but I could just be misremembering that. But yeah, it was it was a great game. And like, like I say, even the Game Gear version where you've got all this crammed into a tiny little screen was really well done. And then you look at the Mega Drive one and it does just look brilliant. It plays smoothly, like you said about Final Fight, and it's just such an upgrade. And then, yeah, they did 
Streets of Rage 3 after that, which I'm not massively familiar with, but I have played a few times, and I think that's more of your Golden Axe type of... If it's not broke, don't fix it. Here's exactly the same game again. Maybe a couple of new characters just go and enjoy it. We've made like incremental fixes and tweaks. And then for years, absolutely nothing. Then I think it was about three years ago, probably now, they did Streets of Rage 4, uh, which people were clamoring for for years. And it really didn't disappoint. It was a brilliant game. It looks, it looks modernized. So you've got your sort of really stylized backgrounds and characters and and it all looks really crisp and perfect but it plays pretty much the same some of the bosses seemed a little bit more unfair to me like there was certain things they did that you just couldn't avoid no matter what but that's that's sort of a staple of these games especially when they're arcade games the turtles one again like some of the bosses you just have to hit and hope don't you and you know that you're going to take damage off them and you just have to be ready with another 50p to stick in if, if it kills you and yeah i think even though it didn't need to carry through that sort of carries through to a lot of the console versions of these games so yeah i think it was a a nice little game too and it's it's sort of left its legacy and it's the legacy i suppose is still going yeah so to pick up your point, uh, it didn't. It wasn't just like turtles and um, whatever was popular. You had stuff that, like that completely random, like battle toads, as well. That I think, obviously, people saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and went, "Ah, we want our own version of this." So, what can we make that's a reptile that we can make slightly quirky, slightly um, cool, and down with the kids? I oh, know we'll go with frogs and toads instead. And again, that was okay, except for the one very, very famous level that makes people want to snap the controllers in half. Um, oh, which the is turbo the bike riding. Yeah, and they did the remake of that recently, or the second, uh, the sequel to it, and that was received about as well as Face Full of P*** on Hot Summer's Day. Um, See, I liked it. It just wasn't I, I... very good. I really enjoyed it because it was it was like very in jokey, weren't it? Especially when you got to essentially the turbo tunnels again, and they're like, "Oh, not this again!" Everyone hated this last time, and it was quite self referential. So, yeah, sorry about my pause there. My microphone just started falling down, and I had to uh, I had to rebolt it to <laughs> to the side. It was coming towards me very slowly. I was like, "What's going on here?" So, yeah, if you heard a bit of vibration and, and noise when I was speaking there, that's why the microphone was about to headbutt me. So I had to uh, stop and tighten that back up. But now I think all these games are, have got their own place. You can see the evolution from Final Fight to Streets of Rage 1, 2, and like obviously it's different companies developing them. I mean, Final Fight did get a sequel, which was an SNES exclusive in 1993. But don't really hear much said about that. It's not. I don't know if it wasn't well received or it just it was more of the same, but it wasn't classed as revolutionary like the first one was. No, it's not something I've ever heard of, to be honest, either. And as a bit of a Nintendo fanboy, that does surprise me. But you, like you say, you never hear anyone mention it. It's like the embarrassing secret nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> it's um... probably really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'll turn out. Turn out to be. I mean, it's probably more of the first one i assume because that was what they did wasn't it back then on mega drive and snares and those consoles if you made a game that did well you just made more of it with incremental like we said incremental little updates to it i mean that's pretty much what the mario games are apart from the fact that they changed mario 2 over here and like the us that's the only thing that really sets it apart if we'd have got the proper mario 2 
one, two, and three would have been practically the same game with just a few different power ups and a level map. I think that's probably about it. Yeah, I mean, we're we're assuming that Japan didn't do what they've done quite a few times throughout the history of gaming, and that is release it on the home console and then either not release it to the rest of the world or do it in such a small quantity that like four people end up playing it because it's so hard to get. Stuff like Secret of Mana for the SNES in America was and, and the UK was just so hard to get. And I think it was just one of those they decided that it wasn't going to take off over here because we hadn't, I don't think we'd received Final Fantasy quite as well as the Japanese had. So that's why copies of Secret of Mana are so incredibly rare to find. So they may have just done that. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? That the that just happens sometimes. That they're like, no, we'll leave it in Japan because they're, they're not ready for it. That I mean, that's what they did with Mario too, wasn't it? They're like, oh, Europe and America aren't good enough to play this. They're not good enough at Mario. They'll get frustrated. We need to put a different version out for them. But it, it sort of worked out for us because I do like Mario too. To set it apart from the other games, I think we'd be missing out on a, quite a bit if that game never got changed from what it was originally. Because a lot of the... The Mario music we know now comes from Mario 2. Shy Guys, Birdo, all those kind of characters would never have been in the Mario universe if it wasn't for the fact that they just reskinned Doki Doki Panic and left all the other ones in there. So yeah, I think it's it, it's a good one, Mario 2, that, that they did do that. It's just such a bizarre reason to do it in the first place. So in terms of these three games, let's, let's get the ratings out of the way and then we can talk about other games that, that are similar. And if we've got time, we can talk about that big Nintendo Direct announcement that we got the other day. Uh, so Final Fight, I'm not precious about in the slightest. It's not a bad game, but it's not. It's never going to make my like top 50, I wouldn't say. So I'm assuming you feel the same? Yeah, it's not like it was massively revolutionary because it was sort of sequel to Double Dragon. So it had... Th- what they were doing had been done previously. So it's not like a brand new entry and everyone was like, oh my God, it's it's so revolutionary. It's You're cribbing off something that had already been done, but I'd probably say that Streets of Rage 2 would probably be like the top one. Although, is it unfair to split Streets of Rage and Streets of Rage 2 up, seeing as they are so... No, I think we stick them in the list together like we have done with Portal and Doom and stuff like that because then they are essentially the same game but just really polished a bit more than the other ones we've looked at I would say like Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2 are pretty much the same game there's there's not a lot of difference at all Doom similar I mean Streets of Rage 1 and 2 the improvements are relatively vast but I think we just account for that and put them both in at the same the same number because the first one was good and it laid the groundwork for it so to give them a combined score i think is probably a good idea but in terms of final fight i'd be looking at where are we let's have a look what we've already got on the list so last week we infamously gave jet set william manic minor a 60 do you think they deserve a bit more than that i mean it's it's not a game that i have any affection for it's all right i think there are better beat-em-ups yeah even at the time, I think they were probably better beat-em-ups. As nice as it looks and as, as interesting as the story and stuff is, I just don't hold it in that high regard. I mean, I'd be looking at going maybe like 59, 58. 
Yeah, um, I think if you were to take into consideration, obviously, Jet Set Willy and Manic Miner's production history, mm. that it's one bloke in his bedroom at 16 making it, you've got to give that the edge, really, for how well-coded that was. Um, and like you, I have no particular affection for this one. It's, it's, it is what it is, and... It de- I suppose it depends where you want to take it from, really. Do you want to take it as the console version or do you want to take it as the arcade version because the arcade version is always going to be better because that's what it was designed for? The version in the list is listed as the arcade version. So in theory, if we're being incredibly strict about it and we haven't been for everything else, the version we should be considering is the arcade version. But even then, I've played it in the arcade and I would, if I went into an arcade and they had The Simpsons, Turtles, this, I'd never pick this. It wouldn't yeah. come into the, like, the, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I'd... I'm thinking because we demoted Quake to 59 last week, and I would say similar things about Quake. Perfectly competent game, has its fans, but just not for us. So I'm wondering if we tie it with Quake at 59. I think that's fair. All right, let's do that. And then in terms of Streets of Rage 1 and 2. So I've got a lot of affection for 2 in particular, but I do like both. I think Streets of Rage 1 is obviously loved because it's on every compilation that Sega release ever. So, I mean, looking at what we've got, Doom 1 and 2 78, Bioshock 79, and then Sonic 2 is 80. Now, I wouldn't put it as high as Sonic 2. I would probably put it higher than Doom in terms of my personal enjoyment and preference for, like, a game, but then I don't think it's as influential as Doom. I don't think it did anything as groundbreaking as that. No, I I would probably say it depends on what kind of mood you're in, really. Mm. You could put them on a par, to be honest, because it's sort of the two polar opposites um, at the time. So you've got your side-scrolling beat-em-up and your your intro to first-person shooters, really. So Mm. if you put them sort of side-by-side, it depends what you're in the mood for at the time when you're in the arcade or when you've got your uh, SNES or your Master System out. So, Yeah. yeah, I probably go with that just par them up with a a 78 then to be honest had we split them and gone that route i'd have probably said streets of rage 1 was low 70s and streets of rage 2 was probably right up there maybe just above doom but to combine the two and as a whole say that they're on par with doom i think is a perfectly fair thing to do so we'll drop them in there in terms of other side scrolling beat-em-ups then that we uh, that we prefer. So for me, I think yeah, you've already said turtles, and for me, The Simpsons was always the one I gravitate to in arcades and out and about. It, usually, it was when I was on holiday. If we were like in Spain or something, most hotels and bars would have a couple of arcade machines tucked away to one side, and I'd play whatever they got usually. And the one that we went to most had The Simpsons, so I played a lot of The Simpsons arcade game. Never really got that far in it probably like level three ish before i ran out of money every night and it was one it was always one of those that was like i'm i am gonna beat this game one day i know i am it's just not now and obviously if you're playing it on your own as well it's a lot harder than playing it with three other people or even two or one to sort of team up on it and and i sort of have a storied history with that game now it's like it was 
tormenting me for a long time. So there was that. That's when the seed got set when I was a kid and I was playing it in this like bar in Spain. And it sort of comes full circle. So the next real interaction I had with it, both involve mutual friends of ours, in fact. Well, two of them do. So um, they had it in the local leisure centre and me and another friend who you don't know were playing it one day and we got right to the last boss so we got to the last boss is you fight smithers and then you fight mr burns in like this robotic suit and we had him on the ropes he probably only took like two more hits and we both died neither of us had any money left and we're in this leisure centre and our parents were at one end and we were at the other playing this game so i was like right you stay with the machine because it counts down from 10 but it really slow countdown so i like sprinted i'm not even joking to the other end of this place to this bar i'm like i need more money i need more money and my parents like what are you on about i'm like just give me a quid quickly it really is urgent and i got this pound and i sprinted all the way back and i chucked it in the machine just as it hit zero and it faded off screen and i was like i can't believe it but then, just to rub salt in the wound, it wouldn't give me the pound back. So then we had to play like a pound's worth of goes, knowing full well we weren't going to get anywhere <laughs> on it. So then the next instance was with someone you know, Sid, who uh, we went to college with. So when we were in little school, we went to France just before we moved up to primary uh, to comprehensive school. We went to France on this school trip, so we went on the ferry, and it had the Simpsons arcade game on it. So we're like, oh, let's play this and see if we can beat it. We had we were going to France for like a week, so we had quite a lot of money, and we're like, let's just waste it all and and beat this game while on this ferry. <laughs> So we we put all this money into this game and we were playing it and we were doing really well and getting quite far. And then this cleaner woman just unplugged it so she could plug her like Hoover in. And I was like, what are you doing? And she just looked at me and said something in French and carried on hoovering. And I'm like, we had like a fiver in that machine still and we were probably going to beat it. So it was like, I'm destined to never, ever beat this game. And then what are we going back about? When were we in college? 2000... 2003? Yeah, so about then, maybe a year later, uh, me and Kev, another one of our mutual friends, went to Ibiza on holiday. And there was a bar in Ibiza where we were staying called Moe's Tavern, which is like a Simpsons theme bar, which went about as well as you can imagine. We went back this year and it's not there anymore. Uh, But it it sold Duff beer, which was just regular bottles of beer, and they'd stuck a label over it and charged you like (laughs) twice the price and stuff like that. Uh, I think it was called Flaming Moe's, actually, the bar. And and they had the Simpsons arcade game because obviously they did. So me and Kev are like, let's beat this. So we just got loads of Euros. I'm not even joking. We put it all on the, the little tabletop thing where the controllers were. And I think we got about 20 Euros each in Euro coins. And we're just like, we're just going to play it until we win. Uh, and we started playing it and we got to about the fourth or fifth level. And the guy who owned the place was like, look, I'm shutting up the bar now. And I was like, oh, you can't do this to me. We're so close to beating it. We've spent so much money. Can you just give us like another half an hour? And he's like, oh, I suppose so. Yeah, all right then. So it, it became this spectacle. There were people like who were meant to be leaving the bar and they just came and sat outside because it was on the like outside the front of the thing. There must have been about 15 people watching us play it by the end of it. And and we're just putting money and more and more money into it. And the, even the guy who owned the bar was like, I've never seen it beat, so I'm going to see what happens. And he was stood watching. And yeah, I think it took us about 18 euros each. And we finally like beat the last boss and got to see the ending. It was amazing. The feeling that you got, even if it had just been me on my own, it would have been amazing. But to do it with like a friend and then with a crowd that were cheering when we actually finished it, whether that was just because we got to go home, I don't know. But all these people like cheering and clapping. <laughs> 
And then the guy that owned the bar came out with two bottles of Duff and he's like, I think you've earned this and gave us a bottle each. This may be my main accomplishment in life. I need to drink this moment in because it might not get any better than this. <laughs> so that was like, that was my storied career with the, with the Simpsons arcade game. And I've never beat it since, even though there's ports of it and stuff now. Back then there wasn't. You literally... You either pirated it, which was very difficult to do with arcade games back then, or you found a version of it somewhere and played it in an actual arcade. And yeah, that was uh, that was my experience of it. And it must have been, I don't know, how old would we have been then? About 17. It must have been a good eight years, maybe longer, from first playing it to actually beating it. And all these different things had happened in between to like stop me from actually doing it. And I finally got to do it. And I can't even remember what the ending is now. I think it's fairly generic. You get Maggie back and then that's it. It finishes. But back then, that was like crowning moment. If I'd have had a camera phone back then, there'd have been selfies in front of that cabinet and all sorts going on. <laughs> oh, dear. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got anything to compare to that, really. I played Turtles a lot as a kid. That was one of my favourites as well. I, I just like that aspect of those games. You know, the four-player big, huge arcade machines where three or four of you can get round it and you're all in close quarters and you're working together. And Especially in the Simpsons one, more so than the Turtles, because you can do like double-team moves and stuff in the Simpsons one. When I was playing it in Spain the first time I ever played it, it's like me and three other random people. It was like I was getting on with these people I'd never met before, but we were all part of this team that was going to try and do it. We didn't, but it was just really nice to have. And I think the Turtles one did that really well as well. Because you always got like your favourite. Like I was always Donatello. So I was like, right, I'm I'm being Donatello. Get out of the way. And <laughs> you three can pick the others. And that's I suppose that's the big thing, really. Games are supposed to unite people. Um, and... You play online team games now, and it's just insult after racial slur after insult because <laughs> you're a dirty scrub and you don't play it all the time and you're bringing the team down. It's like, Christ, you could you could go into arcades and make friends with people you'd never met, probably never see again. But mm. for that hour or two hours you were in there, you were brothers in arms an arcade yeah. machine it's just missing that I, d- I really don't like the way games are going in terms of multiplayer or have gone it's not even like the way they're going now this is where it's gone you get next to no couch co-op anymore the games that you do it's either a last minute implementation or it just doesn't work and then the thing that annoys me more than anything else is when you get a game that could easily have it and they don't they just make it just online why is this not we're on a single screen game there's no need for a split screen that would push the processor to its limits. You literally need to put in what you've done for two-player mode online into I want to pick up a second pad and control that person instead of it being somebody down a telephone line. And they're just like, no, we haven't done that. Why would we bother doing that? And it's just infuriating. Like the, the Cowabunga collection does it really well. That's got couch co-op yeah. in it for nearly all the, the two-player or four-player arcade games and it has online as like a secondary thing. And I think Shredder's Revenge is the same when they released the, the new Turtles beat-em-up thing. That's that's very, if you've not played it, that's a brilliant game, especially if you played the originals because it, it harks back to them quite a lot and 
sort of takes the mick out of them and stuff. Because like we were saying earlier about on the Turtles game, you'll see the Foot Clan soldiers stood off to the side, like talking, and then they'll get involved or they'll come out of a door or jump over a fence. In Shredder's Revenge, they sort of really took that to the extreme. So they'll be like working in hot dog carts and stuff, and then they'll like throw the apron off and come and attack you and, and stuff like that. And they've really made like a point of how funny it is that these foot clan soldiers are just trying to hide but in plain sight but yeah you just don't get that level of i mean they did it with i think left for dead was the last game i can really remember really enjoying like couch co-op on a modern-ish game yeah because they did redfall recently which i know it was terrible but i don't even think that had couch co-op did it i think it was purely online even though it's it's crying out for it so yeah that's a one of my real bugbears and we might even do an episode like a special episode just talking about that but it infuriates me when they could so easily implement it you've implemented it for the online version just let me plug a second pad in it's not rocket science it's not hard to do i get that as gamers we have this sort of taboo hanging over us as we're all you know horrendous dirty shut-ins that don't (laughs) like seeing the light of day and we we, we're like hunched forward golem-esque individuals clutching pads to us surrounded by Cheetos. But, and I get that COVID obviously had a massive impact on that social aspect of gaming and it became sort of like an easy fix to make games more online. But I just miss couch co-op so bad. To be able... uh, What it stands now is you're playing against someone, you have no idea who they are, and when you don't, you can't see someone's face. You the insults just flow easily because you don't know who they are. You don't particularly care, and there's that loss of sort of respectful gaming uh, or respect yeah. for your opponent sort of thing. Whereas when you were sat next to a friend or family member on a couch or a settee playing a couch co-op game. There was the camaraderie or the gentle jest of, oh my god, I can't believe you did that, or how did you mess that one up? It's just nice. Even in stuff like first-person shooters where you can see each other on the screen, there's points where you just go and stand in a dark corner and face the wall so that your opponent can't find you. So there was you made up different games within the two-player portion mm. of the game itself because of the fact that you were on the same screen. And I just think a lot of that's been lost. I think some of my best memories from childhood are one, well, two, three, four people huddled around one console playing either a multiplayer game or even single-player games, like when we played Resident Evil 4. And you just... Being in the same room is so different to being on, like, the other end of some sort of voice call or headphone set i mean even this when we're doing this now i'd rather do it in person if it was logistically possible if we live next door to each other 100 percent, we do these in person each week but this is just for convenience and because we wouldn't ever get anything recorded if if we had to do it in person but yeah. in gaming yeah i'd much rather be sat in the same room as someone getting that full experience from it all and having a few snacks some drinks and stuff and just 
fully getting into it and, and you just get more out of it like playing left for dead in the same room if i was playing that on a headset with someone like I, I think i've mentioned this before where there's there's a character in it called the witch and she basically if you don't go near her she doesn't come near you but she's devastating if you startle her so you can shine torches at her or you shoot near her or go too close she'll start attacking you and in one of the games she attacks whoever's startled her but in the other one, she attacks whoever's nearest to her. And me and a friend used to play these games all the time. And we'd basically just, we'd be sat there and I'd, I'd just like have a little smile come across my face because I'd found the witch. And I'd shoot her and then bomb past the other person I was playing with so that it attacked him. And the, the like laughter and, do you know what I mean, that you got in the room, it wouldn't have been the same on a headset. It just wouldn't have had the same yeah. impact. And it's just little bits like that that you completely lose. And I get that certain games can't be couch co-op anymore because they're too intensive. So if you had to split the screen for some of these games, it just wouldn't cope because of level of detail in the backgrounds and all that kind of thing but surely the games where they can do it and they don't that is what frustrates me the most or even if there was a really easy way to like i don't know use the power of two consoles but to play it on the same screen or something like that i'd 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 like to see that implemented but it just it doesn't feel like a priority for for games companies and maybe we're in the minority but i just don't get the people who would much rather be faceless behind the screen rather than play with their actual friends in in like a, a social environment. Yeah, it's doubly weird when you think about it because obviously the way gaming's moved, it's moved more to online, but it's also moved more loot boxy. And the whole point mm. of loot boxes is the bragging rights or the, the, the loot from within the loot boxes is the bragging rights. If you're playing online, no one cares genuinely yeah. nobody cares whereas if you're playing couch co-op and you've got an unlock that your mate hasn't it, there is that oh god you're so lucky with that and um you you do get those sort of bragging rights whereas yeah online just sort of loses so much nuance and again we're sounding old <laughs> now you've just said that actually but um borderlands 2 or 3 i think was probably actually the last game i played where i really enjoyed it in the same room and that like you say is because you open a loot crate and if you're the first one to find it you're like right i'm having that gun and that gun and that gun and then you're like oh there's there's some guns up here if you want to just come and basically pick the bones of what i don't want anymore (laughs) Uh, and you just yeah you get that like oh i can't believe you just found that before me and you've got this really good gun and i'm stuck with this one and and then you get the sort of are you going to be a mate and chuck me that gun because you don't really need it and you've got better ones already? Or are you just <laughs> going to be mean and keep it and all that that aspect of it? And yeah, I just feel like that's been lost a bit in the way games are these days. I'd absolutely love if they came out with a new couch co-op game that was just loads of fun to just sit and play. And I know they've sort of done it with the Mario games a bit, but I just the game that they did it with, the Mario game, is one that I just don't like anymore. The you know, the new Super Mario Brothers, I just don't yeah. I don't know what it is about it. It's just it feels a bit soulless for me and I just don't enjoy playing it compared to the old ones. Yeah, there was a game that I think it came out either last year or the year before called It Takes Two. And that was is that the, the prison one. Oh no 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 no, no. I know. That's a way out, but it's by the same yeah. company. A way out wasn't that good, to be honest with you, because all this other two, yeah, the co-op side of it it? was, yeah, yeah, and lifting the other side of a really heavy door, (laughs) and that (laughs) that that was the extent of the two-player part. But um, yeah, it takes two was uh, two parents of a little girl who 
cries because her parents are divorcing and cries on these action figures of her parents that she's made. It's all a bit creepy, to be quite honest with you. (laughs) And their souls get transported into the toys and the toy height. And they go through like this sort of picaresque narrative where they're they're sort of it's like a third person shooter one minute and then it's an on rails shooter the next, and there's a bit of a sort of hack and slash moment, a bit of an RPG element in it, and that was quite good uh, from a couch co-op perspective. But very few games put effort into doing it these days, and it's such a niche audience. Seems to be more indie games now that are doing it. So you've got that. Yeah. Um, is it Humans Fall Flat? Where you sort of have to drag each other about and stuff, yeah, and and you get these kind of games, but they almost feel like mini games rather than a full fleshed out, yeah, experience. Uh, which don't get me wrong, is fine, but I'd prefer like a proper full on. This game has been designed for two people to sit down and play, which sounds like what you've just said. That that's basically what that is, and and they've built it from the ground up, designed to be. Two people playing it with a full storyline, full controls that make sense for this kind of game and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'd like to see more of that. And I think indie developers are doing that. I think they're trying to keep that a bit more alive. But, yeah, AAA games just don't seem interested in that anymore. If if they can't flog you a load of loot boxes and season passes and stuff, they're just not bothered. And I think that's why I lean towards sports games more, because they nearly all tend to have that. So yeah. FIFA, you can have... Well, I think think FIFA, technically, if you could connect enough pads up, you can have 11 players and you all control one member of the team. I'm sure that was a thing at one point. I'd never do it because it'd just be chaos. But if you really wanted to, you could do that. And then same for like basketball, even like the golfing games and stuff where you're on the same, you're in the same room playing against each other. Yeah. It's just nice. And it's quite that they're quite relaxing apart from when it all goes wrong. So like, yeah, even with the Mario golf games and stuff, as bad as that last one was, there was fun to be had in the multiplayer part of it. And it is something that Nintendo do do quite well. And I know we are, once again, stroking Nintendo's proverbial ego, but they do do still do do couch co-op quite well. I'm just glad you said ego then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was tempted. <laughs> You get stuff like Splatoon and Mario Kart and stuff that still plays sort of couch co-op and competitive couch co-op. And I know sort of like Wii Sports is is mini games essentially, but again, you play them in the same room with one another and it's competitive and yeah, Nintendo do do it well. Have I made this up or was there like a two-player thing in Odyssey where one of you controlled the cap? Yes, yeah, you control the cap. So even there, you've got, this l- you've got this little bit of co-op introduced, like in Galaxy, where the other person could collect the shine sprites or whatever they were called, those little star drop things. They they do tend to put like little bits in, uh, and like with original like Sonic Two, where the second person could be Tails, but he was completely inconsequential, and unless you kept up with Sonic, you couldn't. You just kept dying. Um, at least there was something there, you know, if you had a two-player pad and you wanted to yeah. play Sonic, you didn't just have to sit and watch someone. You could, to an extent, interact and help. And I think, yeah, that's gone missing a lot. But speaking of Nintendo and their ego, that's a nice little segue into, because <laughs> we're, we're running long, but we're going to keep going because we want to talk about this. So it was the Nintendo Direct yesterday. Did you see it or did you see what they've announced? I, I saw what they've announced. I watched bits of it. 
Some of it I'm intrigued by. Super Mario RPG, I love. I played it yeah. when I was at uni, and I love that game. It it was the front, like the forerunner for the Paper Mario games, for the Mario and Luigi games, and it's a brilliant game. It doesn't. It, it's sort of unknown, I think, in a lot of. It didn't really do that much over here, did it? In England, it was like, did it even release over here? I can't even remember if it actually released over here because it did but it's one of those secrets of mana sort of things where mm. there were that few copies of it they are hundreds and hundreds of pounds now for a snes version i never remember anyone having it i didn't even know it existed until i was like well past snes age and played it and, and it's my exact kind of game i like that turn-based battles but with familiar characters and the humor that's written into it is really good and it's it's not too complicated on the turn-based battles like they don't give you a million different moves and a million different items it's fairly well slimmed down but the storyline's brilliant and for the time the graphics were decent although again showing their age now and and some of it because of the way it it's angled and because the graphics aren't that smooth some bits of it are a bit hard to navigate. It's not always quite obvious where you need to go. And then all of a sudden you realise, oh, I can go behind this thing that looks like it's butted up against the end of the world. And, and it's another path to a new area and things like that. So I think that's worthy of a remake because it's going to bring it in front of a, a new audience. And it does look brilliant to see the the screenshots and, and the little bit of video they showed. It looks great. They've obviously just used what they've been working on for other games in terms of sprite work and stuff, but it, it works. And then you've got certain characters now, like Mallow, that's going to come back into the forefront. And is it Gino that everyone absolutely loves that I just don't get? I don't get why everyone loves him so much. Yeah. I just He's, he's like a generic puppet character. I don't understand why everyone <laughs> goes absolutely mental for him, but... <laughs> It'll be, like you say, it'll be nice for the Nintendo to bring this into a in front of a new audience because they've been circling the drain a little bit the last couple of years with their offerings for the Paper Mario series. Mm. Um, Paper Mario Sticker Star and stuff like that were just subpar, really, and they'd lost the, the, the sort of joy of it being a Mario game, but you being able to have that sort of irreverence. And I, I think the last one that I properly enjoyed was Thousand Year Door on the GameCube. Yeah. And then obviously from that, you also got the spin-offs from the Mario Dream Team Bros. So the Bowser's yeah. Inside Story and stuff like that. And again, really, really good. But then the later ones again sort of dipped off a cliff quite dramatically. So it would be nice to see Nintendo in a return to form to show that they can do it properly and hopefully get more engagement so that we can get more Paper Mario games, more Mario and Luigi games rather than just Mario. I just really hope it isn't 45, 50 quid. And I yeah. think it's probably going to be, but it really shouldn't be. And I know that they've put all this effort into making it look nicer, but they haven't rewritten it. It's still all the same story and it looks to me like all the same text and all the same locations. So even though they've judged it up, to use one of your uh, phrases, to make it look a bit nicer, I don't feel like they've done enough to warrant a £60, £50 game because it is, at the end of the day, something that you can play. I'm pretty sure it's on the, the pass, isn't it? The original. Yes, it is. Uh, so so you can you can play this game for free on the proviso you've got the season pass. So to ask somebody to pay 50 quid just to make it look a bit nicer seems like a bit of a stretch, but we'll have to see what they do. 
the other sort of big Mario news, is this what you were going to move on to? No, I was going to say, this is the company that re-released Mario 64, Sunshine and Galaxy, artificially restricted the number of copies to inflate the secondary market and then pitched that at, was that 30 or 40 quid as well? Wow, it was full price, 49.99 when it first came out. Yeah. Because... Because I bought one thinking, this is going to be worth money, and it's still cellophane wrapped, and it is worth less now than when I purchased it. <laughs> and I really want to play it, because I really want to play Sunshine again, but I'm like, no, at the, by this point, I'm like, no, it's not coming out of its cellophane until I'm about 70. And <laughs> if it hasn't appreciated in value by then, then I might consider playing it, but until then, it's staying where it is. But yeah, the, the other Mario news was... Is it Super Mario Wonder? What's it called? Wonder, I think. Wonder, I thought it was. It, it just looks. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to start with it. Like it looks like a fever dream for a start. I if if we saw Matthew Smith's name from from last week credited as one of the writers on that game, it would not surprise <laughs> me. Because there's like, I mean, for a start, he turns into a full blown elephant. Which, unless I'm wrong, in all the previous Mario games, he's never actually completely transformed it's usually a suit isn't it like an outfit yeah apart from with cappy which made sense in odyssey yes like to put it to put it into this world for him to just randomly turn into an elephant god knows what's going on there and then there's like there's a bit where he's slender man and he goes really (laughs) tall and jumps on a goomba in like a shadowy thing and then there's a bit where he, he eats a mushroom or a flower and everything goes completely trippy and pipes are moving like caterpillars and stuff. The mushroom thing was always a bit of a veiled drug reference, wasn't it? Or people thought it was. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like they're like not even bothering to hide it anymore. <laughs> it's just like in plain sight. And it is it's the style of Mario game I've already just announced that I don't like. So like new Super Mario Brothers. I just don't care for it. I don't like how it looks as much as the old games. It doesn't do anything new for me. I just don't... I've probably grown out of it. I think that's what it is. And I just don't find the enjoyment in it now, like, as much as I used to. And if it was there and it was free, I'd probably still play it, but I honestly can't see me buying this one unless unless something comes out that is... I mean, at one bit, it looks like he turns into a COVID particle. I don't know if you saw that bit, where he, he literally looks like the COVID virus and he's smashing through walls and stuff. And I'm like, they, they must they must know what they're doing with that design. They must do. Yeah. Um, they've made some bizarre choices in the past, but uh, yes, that is definitely one of the weirder ones. Um, then we had a lot of DLC announcement, didn't we? So there was a load of, ooh, new Mario Kart DLC and... New Splatoon DLC, and it's like, Jesus Christ, Nintendo, can you bang a different drum, please? I mean, they're knocking that Mario Kart nail right into the ground, aren't they? How long ago was it since that Mario Kart came out? Didn't it come out for Wii U? (sighs) Yes. So it's a Wii U game that they've remastered and then chucked, like, there was Zelda DLC, wasn't there? And then there was... Was there some other characters and a couple new courses? And then every, like, eight or nine months, they're like, oh, we're just chuck a bit more out we'll not bother working on a brand new one we'll just make this one bigger and bigger and bigger and keep milking people for it which i haven't played mario kart 8 for years now as no, much as i, I love it i, I just played it the Wii. <laughs> <laughs> i do own 8 on both different consoles um but yeah it just it never comes out these days we've done it to death 
And I don't think I ever did get any of the DLC, but it just the price of the DLC versus how much playtime I would get out of it never seemed to marry up for me. No. Um I, I don't mind games that allow you to unlock content as you go through. Massive fan of stuff like Smash Brothers where you can unlock different characters. And I mean, some of those are pulling massive amounts of this <laughs> with, you know, like you have to play for a hundred hours to unlock stuff like Mewtwo. And it's like, I really want to play as Mewtwo. So essentially you do what everyone does and that is leave the console on overnight with a game <laughs> running with infinite lives. Turn the TV off just so you're being conscious of electricity usage. <laughs> just keep doing that every night before you go to bed. Turn the console on, leave it on overnight. I'll unlock Mewtwo in a couple of days. I am not playing it for a hundred hours. But then they've not done anything with that. So Smash Brothers had a massive release a couple of years ago. And then that's it. We've had a couple of DLC packs since then, but then no new fighters, no new announced games, nothing. It's a difficult one, Smash Brothers, isn't it? Because that is your quintessential couch co-op fighter. Much more yeah. fun when you're all sat around playing it against each other. And to sort of squeeze a single player mode out of it, they've tried a few different things, but they all just end up being a little bit boring in the end. Especially the last one. Because the last one was literally a map, but it may as well have just been a list of opponents. And just like go down and pick the next one and fight them, because nothing really changed, did it? And they put all those stickers in, no. or whatever they were, didn't they? So they're like oh. making out that you're fighting someone new. But in actual fact, it's just you're facing somebody you fought a hundred different times with a different colour scheme. And that's like as far as it goes. So, yeah, I do love Smash Brothers, but it's not, again, not one I play very often because I just, I've got all I can out of it for now. Yeah. Um, we also saw Pikmin, Pikmin 4, which, yeah. you know, I, I loved the first Pikmin, but I don't think I've played one since. I had two. Uh, it's one of them games that I like, but it frustrates me to the point that I get massive anxiety playing it because it's just there's so much going on that you have to sort of monitor at once. Uh, and then, yeah, it just stresses me out to no end trying to figure it all out. So I do enjoy playing it to a point, and then it gets to the point where I'm like, no, it's just it's more stress than enjoyment now. I'm stopping. So it's one of those that I enjoy either watching other people play or playing with somebody who knows what they're doing that can be like, right, you need to do this now and I don't have to think about it as much. I don't think I'll get... I I got a download code for Pikmin 3 and literally never used it when I got my Wii U. So I don't think I'll be picking up Pikmin 4. But yeah, potentially. I know one of our listeners, Paul big supporter he loves pikmin games so he'll be all over it and he'll be he's the guy who did our 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 artwork he's absolutely obsessed with pikmin so he'll be ready for that one i know he'll be (laughs) eagerly anticipating its release Uh, and then we got detective pikachu returns or something is it yeah no i didn't know he'd gone away i didn't (laughs) was there a first one yes Yeah, yeah the first one was on the ds it was like a it was a, another one that was a lot more popular in Japan, wasn't it? I think, and we yeah. did get it, but it wasn't. It didn't really make much of a splash over here. But is it like a? I'm trying to think what what it's most similar to. There was a game on DS that was like called Room Two Sixteen or something. I don't know if you remember yes. that. And it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. like a film noir detective game. And I always got the vibe that it was going to be similar to that. It's um it's a bit Professor Layton um in some respects just without yeah, the yeah that's the other one I was gonna say extreme logic puzzles they are quite tame <laughs> um and it does if memory serves correctly pretty much follow beat for beat the movie theming 
uh, all the way through. So how he can be returning? Yeah, I I, I don't know. But yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't. It's another one that I can't get particularly excited about. I might give it a go now. It's more easily accessible. I'd, I'd move past the DS, I think, by that point. So that's probably why I never, I never bothered with that one on the DS. But yeah, if if it's if it's reasonably priced and it isn't like fifty quid, I potentially give that one a go. Um, we've then got the remake of Luigi's Mansion Two, which was actually quite a good game. Um, I really enjoyed Luigi's Mansion One. Um, the only downside to Luigi's Mansion Two was that it was on the DS. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not a console that's designed for that. Is it going to be like a? Have they polished it and everything? Have they redone all the graphics? Yes. Or have they literally? Yeah, it's, it's... So it's not just a port. No, it's a judge. So just import. Well, that's fine as long as it looks good. Because yeah, like you say, the the DS it was limited in terms of it's not a game you want to sit and play handheld. Luigi's Mansion. It's an atmospheric one, isn't it? You want it on a big TV yeah. with the lights off and and sort of enjoy it that way, not just on a tiny little screen in front of you with a touchscreen below it. But yeah, that that could be a good one. Again, it it all depends on where they pitch the price points for these games because yeah, other than Wonder, nothing that they really announced for me warrants a full price release not even sonic <laughs> yeah well, well i don't know because it looks really good and i'm really excited for it but i've been that way for like every sonic game that's come out for the last <laughs> like 10 years and other than mania and to an extent frontiers they've all let me down speaking of sonic and again we'll segue off we're gonna have to call it in a minute because it's gonna be like a two-hour episode if we don't sonic origins might be the biggest mistake they've ever done. Sonic's Sonic screwed me over a lot over the years, but Origins might be the biggest one because I'm pretty sure when they first announced it, they were they were blowing the old judge trumpet. We've we've judged up all the old Sonic games um, for you to enjoy, and then they just made the resolution slightly different, and it's exactly the same game as it always used to be. I was expecting they were going to like redo all the graphics. No, they're all just exactly the same games. The only redone graphics are on the little virtual islands when you pick your game and you can stand and watch them for a bit, and I'm like this isn't worth 40 odd quid or whatever, because I got the deluxe version which is plays also into the fact that they've screwed me over doubly now, because they're, re- they're releasing Origins Plus, which has 12 Game Gear games on it, so I'm immediately I'm like, well that's what I grew up on i want this origins plus it also comes with all the stuff that you got in the deluxe version that i've already paid for but it's no cheaper for me to buy the plus version (laughs) add-on than it is somebody who bought the bog standard base game and didn't get all that stuff so i'm paying twice for stuff that i don't even want because some of it's like soundtracks and stuff i can't believe that they've not done like a cut price version for people who got the deluxe version but they haven't, so it's another tenner, which doesn't sound like much, but when I've already paid like 50-odd quid for the base game, that is essentially what I could have got down the car boot for about four quid if I got the consoles to play them, because there's no difference, I just feel incredibly wronged. So that's why I'm not as excited for the new Sonic game and willing to pay full price for it, because they owe me for Sonic Origins. So if any anyone of our listeners who works for Sega, just let them know. Their cards have been marked. Oh, uh, so they've, they've been they've them cards got marked a long time ago. <laughs> Don't worry about that. This isn't the first uh, besmirchment that's befallen me from Sega. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, the the new Sonic game does look really good, but I can guarantee you it'll be another one of those where if if you press jump at the wrong moment, you fly off into a pit, never to be seen again. 
because that's the Sonic way these days. That's just how it works. But yeah, I'm interested to see what they do with it, and it does look like they've because they've put a four player in that, haven't they? Similar to yeah, Super Mario Brothers, new Super Mario Brothers, where you're all on the same screen, and that'll be fun because it's one of those games where it's never really worked that well on Sonic because Sonic tends to be faster than everyone else. So whoever Sonic just burns away, and the others have to try and keep up. Whereas now it looks like they've leveled the playing field a bit, and they're all of a similar pace and they've just got their own unique abilities which sort of leave Sonic screwed over because the only thing he's got is speed. <laughs> so whoever gets stuck playing Sonic is uh, is on the sort of wrong end of it. But no, that'll be good. Everything else just didn't... I mean, Nintendo Direct's hit and miss anyway. Some of them are, you get really excited, like the ones when they did Tears of the Kingdom and stuff, even though I wasn't that excited for that one. And then you get these ones where they don't really say much at all. And like Wonder was obviously the big thing of it, and that just looks... I don't know. I can't even describe what I'm thinking about that game when I see it. Like when you've got Meliphant or whatever he's going to be called, I expect <laughs> they'll, they'll do some sort of join of the name, won't they? And then you've got, yeah, Trippy pipes squirting water and acting like caterpillars and a covid bacteria flying through a stage smashing up blocks and it's just it's too far they've gone too far (laughs) uh old man nintendo's finally snapped (laughs) it's just it don't look fun either like uh, somebody commented on it and posted the picture and like oh there's talking flowers sign me up and i'm like it's a little sprite of a flower that says like one word as you run past it if that's what you're basing your like purchase criteria on for a game i'm gonna buy some i'm gonna buy some unity assets and i'll blow your mind if if a flower saying one word as you walk past it is what does it for you then i watch this space i'm gonna come up with a 50 pound game for you Oh dear. Oh, anyway, I, th- I think we've said enough for today. I'm I'm annoyed now. I need to go and <laughs> get a drink and calm Decompress. down. Decompress. <laughs> so we we've rated everything, haven't we? We've done all that. We've we've covered off yeah. the games we need to. Um so yeah, again, I think no, I don't know what we're doing for the next episode. Uh we have got a guest lined up for an actual episode of the show, but he's on holiday at the minute, so we won't be able to do it until he gets back because there is a game on the list that me and Eddie don't know anything about and don't really care to get involved with, Uh, which I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but it's one of those games that, given my addictive personality and the fact that Eddie's got like 15,000 collectible cards... So presumably he also has this addictive personality. Uh, we don't want to start paying a monthly subscription for in case we really enjoy it and we just never see the light of day again. So we are bringing in an expert on that game to talk to us about it. So that'll probably be in a couple of weeks' time, maybe three or four weeks. But in terms of next week, I have no idea what we're going to look at. I mean, today was a bit of a spur of the moment, wasn't it? So Shenmue? <laughs> no, 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 not... <laughs> I'm already angry, Eddie. Don't don't push me further. <laughs> we talk of Shenmue. Yeah, but you're not Liam Neeson angry yet. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You're lucky you've not got a daughter. I'll tell you that much. Um, but maybe, I don't know, maybe like Monkey Island or something. Something nice and relaxing. Watch this space. It might be Monkey Island. It might not be. It depends if I get time to play that as well. But 
yeah, we'll, we'll have something for you next week, as we always do. God knows what. If it hasn't already, there'll be some Patreon-exclusive content going up in the very near future. Uh, I think it probably should be online by the time you hear this, unless something's gone terribly wrong, because I'm editing that first, so that it makes sense that that will go up first. But yeah, just before we forget then, thank you to our patrons once again. So in the couple of coins here, we've got Mr. Bailey. And in the Bucket Kickers tier, we have got the Sweaty Llama, and I'm watching Eddie's face for this one, Dino Dini. And there it is. <laughs> He's tried his best not to, but there it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, once yeah. again, thank you. If if you want to hear our exclusive content, that's the only place to do it at the minute. But the first exclusive content will be going on Spotify very soon. I just need to get the willpower to go through and bleep out all the swearing in it. And then it'll be ready to go up. So yeah, watch this space for that one. But if you want to hear it now and you want to hear the new one, get over to Patreon. Any of the tiers, £5 and up, will get you that exclusive content. And it is worth Well, I'm going to say it's worth it because we recorded it. But I think I think we've done a couple of good bits over there. So yeah, it's it, it would help us and you'd probably get something you enjoy as well. Fingers crossed. So, breathe and... We we still rubbish at outros, so I'm just going to say that's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.